0: Tom Gerhart and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. So we are saying goodbye to an old friend today, right? the neat ice kit we're pouring one out for the knee ice kit
1: oh that's what ice we're talking kit. about today yeah
0: so you've discontinued a product
1: mm-hmm. uh, yes i guess it's product um well that's a complex question but it's probably like the fourth or fifth time we've done it really oh, okay
0: what else have you what other products have you discontinued
1: Well, you know, old versions of the Glyph, basically. I don't think Uh, that counts. Yeah, that kind of doesn't count. I Actually, it's funny. I just received a whole box of, like, really old Glyphs from Amazon. uh, (laughs) Like the iPhone SE version. Like a whole box of them. I was like, oh, guys. sale. (laughs) And I was like, oh, the packaging was really good for this. We really did it. Uh, Anyways, um, so those. But then we also discontinued the uh salt rimming tray which i think is definitely our like least sold uh least successful product but i really mm. i really enjoy having it uh I yeah but i guess it.
0: that that one i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong it didn't really have a thing to it that was unique
1: right yeah, what do you mean there's nothing else like it in the world really <laughs> yeah okay
2: <You've>... look <laughs> It's a. This was a divisive it, product, by the way, uh, between Tom and I. <laughs> yeah, it's really useful though. Okay, a,
0: what's what's the division?
2: Okay, well, I guess ta- we're going to be talking about cocktails. It, Tom so was as well. Tom was much more gung ho about it. I didn't ever really like it as a product. Well, let me explain. <laughs> let me explain what it is. Okay,
1: so when people put salt or sugar or something on a on the rim of a cocktail glass. You know the way it's done, like traditionally, is like you put the glass like with water or lime juice, and then you like put it all the way upside down on like a circular, either a plate or like a circular like donut thing that has salt or something, and then the salt gets on the very top of the rim, and sometimes in the glass and sometimes on the outside. But that's not the like best way to put salt on the rim of a glass. Like the best way is to only uh, put the like liquid on the exterior of the rim and then uh roll the glass in the you know salt or whatever and so it's only on the outside of the glass and it's not falling in the glass and all this stuff. Um and so we like learned that and we were trying to find like a way to do that and there wasn't there's like not a thing that exists that does that besides like a plate. But the problem with like a plate is if you try to like put salt on a plate you waste a lot of salt because it's like all it's spread all over and it's like whatever so we made this little bamboo 3d carved little it's like the size of a deck of cards basically with like a little angled trough in it and you can put a little bit of salt in there and then roll your glass on it for like margaritas or whatever and so i use it all the time and my margarita salt rimming looks really fancy it's nice i like it dan didn't like it (laughs)
2: What didn't you
0: like then? Uh,
2: I was—I uh, always questioned if it just needed to exist. Like, if, if it was—if tr- <laughs> it was truly like, how much better was it than just using a plate? Uh, like, and also, you know, kind of like the Alton Brown like single-use gadget thing, where it's like, okay, you're like buying this thing, and it does this thing. It's like how much of a percentage better is it than just like using a plate or just any you know any other way to do it? Mm. Um, mm. So I don't know. We had a disagreement. I had a weak about that. argument. Weak argument. To I guess me, we both. I guess we. I guess we both won. Tom won because we made it, and then I won because we stopped selling it.
1: But we we sold out of the ones we made. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we we just didn't make. Do you remember how many we made? Like two hundred fifty or something? Yeah, it's pretty small number. It was pretty small. But um. I get, like, a lot of delight and feel fancy every time I use it because it, um, I don't know, it just, it feels like, uh, I don't know, it feels like a nice tool, kind of. Um, So, I don't know. But, yeah, so we discontinued that. And, but, yeah, the Neat Ice Kit is definitely one of the first, like, big, like, one of our bigger products that, uh, that we've discontinued.
0: All right. So, salt rooming tray. That was one thing, but that was like a smaller product anyway, probably intended to be like it whilst obviously, of course, Tom, brilliant idea, perfectly <laughs> executed. <laughs> the, uh, the neat ice kit was probably, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the product that maybe took the most time to get right before Kickstarter.
2: Oh, yeah, prior to Kickstarter... Up until that point, I would say yes. Like, we put the most time into the prototyping stage prior to launching up until that point. I would say that was true, yeah.
0: Because I remember all the images on the page of, Mm -hmm. like, all the different types (laughs) of molds and stuff like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was also one of our... The first product that had a lot of different parts and pieces. Like, you know, there was, like, this... Blade that had to have a supplier, yep. there was this foam thing, there was a silicone thing, there was a bag, like a sewn like product, so it had like a ton of parts in it so it was not only was the design of it you know long but um then just like developing all the you know manufacturing for that and managing it you know it's just it's like a lot to manage um and so that definitely it was big i mean it was like loomed large and it kind of like launched this little product line for us of cocktail stuff yep. um and so you know it, yeah it was definitely it was definitely like a phase for sure like a whole the start of a the start of an era you might say
0: <laughs> yeah so like that is kind of something that i wanted to touch on is like the the era ending thing i want to come back to something we were talking about in a minute but like it's a nice way to talk about it like this product did start a trend for you guys into cocktail stuff, right? You had this, you had the incredible salt tray, and then the uh, <laughs> the simple syrup kit. Some sarcasm. <laughs> I've I've, ne- I've never even. And also, you've got Highball, which is like one of the iOS apps that you still continue to support, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. this this was like this is when oh, Studio Neat is a cocktail company, right? Like that after being like photo company, right? Like neat things for iPhones. Then you became a cocktail mm-hmm. company, like moving away from. Apple were quite a, quite a bit, right? This was like mm-hmm. your, your kind of first big foray into like a completely different types of product. Mm-hmm. So I would expect, I mean, we haven't even spoken about why you're doing this yet, but I expect that when it came time to think about discontinuing this product, like a, a significant, like a main product in the lineup, that it, I wouldn't be surprised if it came with some emotion because it was like, it's like the end of an era
1: i don't know dan did you did you shed a tear I uh i did i didn't really um i don't know i think we kind of have this like it's not a move on attitude but we're always kind of looking and towards the future and the next thing and so because the Need eyes kit was like seven years ago or something it feels um just feels like a long time ago kind of and we hadn't like reordered any in a long time and so i think it just kind of to me it felt like i we had we knew like this was coming right we knew this product was winding down so it was like a very long uh i guess we had a very long grieving process if we want to put it in those (laughs) terms uh and so you know to me it didn't feel it kind of just felt like okay let's rip this band-aid off Mm -hmm. you know and And it's kind of a relief unlike
0: something like the cosmonaut or the apple tv remote stand or even the simple syrup kit which i assume are products that maybe now have a lower um sale volume I don't know like how low I don't know if mm. it's as as low as the knee uh, ice kit but the knee ice kit was a complicated product to yeah. manufacture mm. store um, and I guess even ship because of all the parts so yeah. I would expect it it wasn't worth keeping around even for that reason yeah if
1: we if we could have if the yeah the big problem and this is i guess getting into like really what kind of pulled the cord on it. it the big problem is you know to make the the foam part the molded like foam part um that is you you can't do that at small scale really um and uh, you can't just molds, make like
0: 20 of those no you can right. well it'd be incredibly
1: expensive yep, yep. um and the molds we hadn't used the molds for them in so long like the molds that make the molds you know the like these like steel things that you know, we hadn't had contact with the supplier and I'm sure the mold were either like disposed of or like are all would need to be remade basically. And so the prospect of like reordering like if we were gonna reorder them the the stock would last for like five years or something, you know? And so it would be it's just like a lot of overhead and like risk for something that sells really slowly and we're not like it's not like we're um increasing or like contributing to that product line anyways. And so You know, it just—it was like a huge uh, amount of overhead to like reorder, and so it just—it seemed like it just was a pretty no-brainer. I think. Like, I don't think we ever really strongly considered reordering, right, Dan? I don't like
2: didn't like. Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it. We had a discussion, but it 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 once we kind of looked at the numbers and looked at the logistics and how what it would actually take to reorder it, then the decision was kind of made for us because there was kind of no reality where that made sense to do
1: like it would be easier in some ways to redesign and like make if, if we were interested in having a a clear ice cube thing like product like really strongly interested in it we, it would be easier to like redesign or something even or it would be almost as difficult you know what i mean mm-hmm. so because we'd be, pay, be paying for tooling again and all this stuff so um you know it uh it was a pretty easy decision once we really like really were staring in the face of it
2: yeah and to answer your question Mike, for me, in terms of, you know, feeling sad, uh, like Tom said, you know, we had kind of a long time where we knew this was coming, so I didn't feel really sad about it necessarily. But definitely,, uh, you know, I'm a sentimental person, and uh, the blog post that I wrote to, you know, kind of say goodbye to it and tell people why we were discontinuing it. it, it was kind of nice to reflect back on that time in Studio Needs history and how the Neat Ice Kit was a really interesting product for us because it was, you know, we had done Simple sir, or Not Simple sir, uh Simple Bracket. And so there had been kind of these, like, pivots. It's like, oh, let's try this thing. But the Neat Ice Kit was the first product we made that was really, like, kind of out of left field. Like, oh, this is something kind of completely different than what they are doing before. And I think it established Studio Neat as... We're not a company that makes, like, Apple-adjacent stuff. Like, that's not just what we do. We're just interested in designed objects, and we're willing to kind of enter any product category that interests us. Yeah, You and tested
0: so, the Venn diagram, right? Like, this was maybe the first product that really did that. Like, right. the mm-hmm. overlap of your customer base and mm-hmm. bringing in new people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that our friend Obi...
2: right yeah so i was just gonna say like i think it was it was really encouraging for us because it was like oh we can like do these other things but i think uh, the flip side is perhaps it also gave us kind of maybe too much confidence or kind of like a false sense of yeah like we can kind of go (laughs) anywhere and do anything so uh it's kind of interesting to look back on it in that way
0: do you feel like when you look at when you look back at that product you look at where you are now Do you feel like Studio Neat's identity has changed again? Like that you're far away from the cocktail company now, maybe?
1: Mm. Uh, I don't know. I, like, for instance, I still really like Highball. Like, I still think that's really good. Mm -hmm. And I wish we could, like, get ourselves motivated enough to, like, update it more and, like, improve it. Um, But I, but yeah, I still really like that. And I still, you know, I think, like, tool like we really like making tools uh I think we both really like enjoy making tools and although like cocktail tools are not quite like you know it's a little bit fraught because it's like alcohol this drug and all this stuff so it's like a little bit like not completely warm fuzzy feeling you know surrounding that we both do really like making tools and so um you know I still think it's like I would still like to believe we're still very similar uh in terms of like the it still works for the brand and like who we are and what we want to make. Um so I don't really view the neat, the neat ice like stopping selling discontinuing the neat ice kit as like a a brand change like oh we're moving away from that as a statement it's more just like this doesn't it's like practical it's like this just doesn't work it's not selling enough we don't we need to simplify not like make things more complex. And so it's really just a kind of sticking to our guns in terms of like when we say we want to have a simple company like doing that like saying goodbye to things that make things complex and the need ice kit was definitely something that made that was complex and it would have been a lot of complexity to keep it around and so i think it's in, in some ways it's like just reinforcing at least internally you know the our kind of values in terms of um tr- you know keeping things simple and so you know i maybe on the like externally people will like view us differently or but you know i i think for us i mean at least for me you know i I kind of feels the same basically and i you know there'll be other things that go by the wayside too like for sure like we we oh it's funny we um we almost kind of had to make this decision with the cosmonaut uh L- like six months ago, but we decided like the opposite basically to like keep it around. And so why, um, well, even more complex. So the, the cosmonaut was continuing to sell well, and it still does. Um, but the problem was the, the, the factory that made our fancy tips uh closed and it closed like, I don't know, Dan, like three years ago or something or huh. four years ago. And, but before that we knew it was happening. So we made like a ton of tips And we had been like eating through that stock and watching it slowly go down. And we were always playing this game of like, oh, is this, you know, is the long tail of the Cosmonaut just going to fall off to where, you know, maybe the timing's right, where we'll just kind of use the rest of the tip inventory and we don't have to make more. But it was becoming more and more apparent that that was not the case. And so we kind of opened up this Pandora's box of getting those tips remade Um, and the, you know. What's crazy is like the the first time we made those tips, it took like months and months and months to get that right, and it was a huge like problem. But we, I guess we just got lucky, or I don't know. We know more. Um, but we we they're made in China by actually the same company that makes the Mark One metal parts. They do rubber parts Hmm. too, and they yeah they did a good job like pretty quickly like on the second try basically of um of getting it right, and so that was somewhat painless uh, in terms of. Are not as painless as are painful as the first time, at least. Um, and so that is definitely we, you know, that was we made that decision basically to like continue or not. And um, so I, you know, I, I foresee us, you know, have every couple of years definitely having to kind of make that decision. And um, I, I just, you know, it it feels good. I mean, honestly, I think it feels good, don't you think, Dan? To like kind of um, like call, like reevaluate products basically and like call them when they need to. I mean, it feels. It feels good, right?
2: Yeah, anytime you're uh in some way trying to inch towards uh efficiency or simplicity in how like our operations are that always feels like a move in the right direction. Now of course like you're you're continually introducing new products so it's kind of always this like hamster wheel that you're, you know. But uh yeah, it, was, it, it, it is you kind of hang on to things but for sentimental reasons, or because you know you don't want to disappoint people. Um, but it does—it does feel good on a certain level to kind of like clear house. But looking back on all of it, right?
0: Do you feel like the product was a success? That, like, does the idea—the the fact that something goes away—that doesn't mean it wasn't a success, right? It may have just meant mm. it—it's time in the sun is over.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I feel like it was certainly, it was like a good product for us and it like did its job and it was, you know, like a good addition to the, and it was like, you know, for a time there, it was like a decent chunk of our revenue for sure. I forget, you know, I don't think it was ever over like 30% or something, but maybe that's not true. Um, And so, yeah, no, I feel good. What do you think, Dan? Do you...
2: Yeah, I mean it, it it didn't lose money, so that's I guess I guess that's business one oh one. Uh but P- please you
0: got that one nailed down.
2: Yeah, yeah. It took us nearly ten years, we finally figured out you wanna make these are, more money. These are the
0: great tips that people spend. come to this show for.
1: Uh I always remember that my, Marco Arment uh I don't know. Was it a quote or I don't know? But he was just talking about his business business model. He's like, it's pretty easy. I just like sell things to people for money, and, you know, for more than what it costs to make them, you know. And I mean, obviously, that's like a cliche, but um, I still, I don't know. I, 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 it's like shocking that that is like a statement one could make, right? <laughs> uh, that that like needs to be said. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I always remember that for some reason it sticks in my head
0: i mean well i think it's just because business models these days don't work like that
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's really wacky really 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 wacky uh i guess when you're trying to do something like really large you you can't always have that business model and so it makes sense but i would not be comfortable with that i mean we it's so weird because like every every dis like like that is so inherent in the design process for us, like thinking about margins, basically, uh, that it, it would, you know, it, it's kind of like, it would be like designing something like a physical product and not thinking about gravity or something. If, <laughs> you know, if you were just like, oh, whatever, like, you know, price, whatever. And I, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, at least software companies and stuff that are just like, what, you know, I know they have their own reasons and their own strategy, but it just would feel very, but I guess
0: they're even hardware companies, you know, like depending on how they've been set up. And it's just like, oh, we'll yeah. just make it up in volume. Right. Yeah. It's just like, well, that's, that's not how it just doesn't work for all companies. And also doesn't work for a lot of those companies ultimately.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. It's so like, um, yeah it just would be so difficult like how do you even make decisions you know mm-hmm. like if you're if you're losing money like how much is enough like all right how much is okay like you know like what i don't know it just feels uh i don't know we should do it one time dan let's design a product that like loses money mm. for fun <laughs> mm, that'd be great it would be hard because even on the flip side where like uh you know you could you know theoretically we, we could design some product that is like so squarely luxury. That it basically doesn't matter, like the price exact, like doesn't matter, you know, because it's in this space where, if someone's buying it, they're not going to quibble over, you know, we could like double the margins and it doesn't matter, you know. Um, And to me, on the same token, that would feel a little weird. It's like, where are my constraints here? Like, you know, like, you know, does it's like really difficult to um, approach making decisions when you don't have that like constraint? So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it is. Um, I don't even know why we like got talking about this, but <laughs> but it is. Uh, it is really important, and I think you know that's the same reason why like bringing it back to the neat ice kit. Like, you know, definitely part of the process of like, deciding to like uh, discontinue it was, you know, if we were to remake it, the margins would go down because of like we wouldn't have the volumes and stuff. So you know, de- definitely like. Margins, uh, profit margins like factored into that because if if it was a product where we could make you know a hundred at a time and the margins were still good then we would still probably have it around right and so Mm -hmm. it's like this weird situation where um, you know we're kind of on the wrong side of the little scale ledge and so it kind of doesn't work
0: so how are things going with um, the Apollo pen
1: we're really uh, taking off no, it's, uh, it's blasting <laughs> off. It's it's, uh, it's going great. We're 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 nearing a stable orbit.
2: Okay, uh, it's. <laughs> I'm am so glad I edit episodes now, so I can just cut <laughs> all <of> this
0: out. <laughs> just, there's just gonna be like a two second gap, and then. <laughs> so how are things actually going?
1: Uh, it's going well. We just yesterday received the, or I like we approved. The um the like production samples basically for the two like stainless steel like polished stainless steel parts for the pen, so uh, we've given them the green light to start um, production on that, and hopefully it won't take that long. But you know it's hard to know. But you know obviously we have to. There's like kind of some rigmarole of getting some parts coated and all kinds of stuff. But um, but that feels good. They look really good. The polished stainless steel is like awesome. Um. We finally landed on like a logo depth uh for the little uh limb logo that we like. So yeah, full steam ahead. Um in our in the we're you know, we're we're like we mentioned before that we're we're um getting some fancy uh in the new round of like pin mechanism parts. And those should come in this week. So that will be exciting to kind of test those out and see um what those are like. So we things are Things are definitely moving along
2: um, let's see what else uh, yeah and we uh, we teased in the uh, or I guess we didn't tease we just showed <laughs> uh, in, in Sorry, the gazette the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, kind of where we're at with the packaging right now uh, like a mock-up of it and uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool it's it's the same cork packaging as the mark I but dyed kind of a dark gray color and then there's like mm-hmm. a special belly band for this edition um so it looks really cool and it looks uh space like (laughs) deep space and we uh we thought so we had the idea to do like the dark cork um and we were just gonna like dye it ourselves which is something we could do but it would be really kind of messy and time consuming um so we're actually just having the folks who Make the cork, and in, in Portugal, there they can do dark cork, so they're just gonna make a batch for us, and so that'll be nice and clean and easy.
1: Have I mentioned my love for uh, molded cork?
2: I know I have. It was a joke, <laughs> but man,
1: it's so awesome. It's like so cool. They can like dye it, you know, like they dye the material like before it gets molded, so it's like really consistent color. Like you could like cut it, you know, and it would... mm-hmm. so just like I don't know, man. Molded cork is so awesome. Cork is awesome in general. Just
0: never, never look up how they make it. Well, I know how they make it. Like how it gets cut from the trees. No, like you you have, because you made me do it. I'm just saying to the rest of our audience, don't look at pictures because it's gross. (laughs) Looks gross to me anyway. (laughs) (laughs) They cut it off the trees, it it just looks so gross. You know what it looks
1: like? (laughs) You know what it looks like? Have you ever seen like a dog, like a, a pretty fuzzy dog that has had like a like a wound or something on their leg and they have to like shave part of their leg. Yes. That's exactly what Mm -hmm. it looks like. It's like, it is pretty unsettling. It's like, Oh, here's this tree (sighs) with like, uh, it's like, you know, a section cut out of it, but rest assured dear listeners, it grows back. It's actually good for the tree. It's very sustainable. They'll harvest off one tree for like decades and decades. So don't worry. But it is weird. Except for the fact that it looks gross. It is super weird,
0: yeah. (laughs) I really hate it. I can't get that image out of my head.
2: (laughs) A link will not be in the show notes this week. Uh, We also got to add another machine to the Studio Neat arsenal. It is a uh, a, a scoring machine for the... uh, This is very riveting. uh, And a, a very small detail but the uh, the belly band that goes around the two cork pieces previously it was just wrapped by hand so it was kind of curved i guess even though the cork packaging has kind of hard uh chamfers and it's kind of wrapped around that but we decided we kind of tested it out and really like the look of having crisp folds along those edges. It looks just like a little more geometric and we think it'll help kind of the band like stay on the packaging. Um, and so we bought like a scoring machine, which uh, Tom, you can maybe kind of describe what exactly this. Well, it's so weird. There's,
1: there's this weird world of like inexpensive Amazon China tools. So like, if you hear like, Oh, here's this like, automatic scoring creasing cutting and it even does um perforation machine but it's like you know like 150 bucks or something uh it's really weird there's all these like little like kind of inexpensive machines that you can get on amazon but anyways um it basically you like set it up where it's got these little metal wheels and grooves and it's got a motor and you just kind of like feed pieces of paper through it. And depending on like where you set the little wheels or the cutters, it will like, you know, score or crease paper and stuff. Um, So it's, you know, it's a, it's a cool little guy. We'll see how well it works. I think it'll work pretty well, but I don't know. It's just fun to me that you can like go on Amazon and, you know, just like buy a scoring machine for like cheap. You can also buy, you know, like, what else have we bought? Oh, we bought like a... um a big like gu- guillotine like paper cutter where you can you can put like a stack of, like 100 sheets of paper and you just like push down on this lever and it just like super cleanly cuts them all together and it's kind of terrifying but uh but, yeah, I don't know it's, it's these old machines are pretty pretty useful but um yeah we got that I hope that'll be useful I don't know
0: so it's like it's weird to me to put that kind of thing on Amazon like who's <laughs> yeah why well,
1: me, you know, like I, uh, <laughs> I I think Amazon is like everything now. It's very strange. Uh, I don't know. I think um, it's great because the reason why I love buying stuff like that on Amazon is because you just have a pretty good idea of the shipping date. Whereas, you know, if I were to go into the weeds of some weird website uh, to, like, find this scoring machine. It's like, you know, who knows what the shipping time is and like. And I guess and you so, also
0: feel a little bit more, like, your money's a little bit more protected because yeah. you're dealing with a large mm. company, right,
1: you know? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes for that weird stuff, it's not Amazon Prime. It's, like, it's just a third-party wholesaler or anyways, but... um. I don't know. Yeah, there is. There's definitely something about having them as the gatekeeper that was like really nice. When yeah. You're, you don't when,
0: get like two hours delivery on your scoring machine.
1: No. Well, you'd be surprised. There's really weird stuff on on Prime that you get same day. That's like really strange. Like weird, esoteric, like stuff I buy for the like prototyping, like lathe tools and stuff. Like weird. It's like why on earth would someone need this like M nine by .75 millimeter thread? Like threading dye, it's like a very weird thing. It's not even a standard thread size, yet it comes like next day for free. It's like <laughs> so weird. It's like what, what, why? But I don't know. I guess more people get that than normal. It's very strange, but uh, it's awesome. To, to that,
0: should we do a uh dance tech corner before we finish today's episode? We have this little list, so we have an Apple Note that the three of us share and. There's always a couple of bullets under Dan's tech corner. Uh, Tom, do you, do you have any suggestions?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I'm curious what uh, an what H1 chip for cameras is. My favorite Dan. thing about this mm. note,
0: is that none of Dan's tech corner tech corner suggestions make any sense when they're just written down (laughs) because they're purely written down. They're written down as for you, right? They're prompts for you. I get that, but it's always so funny. We have two in there right now. We have H1 chip for cameras and Apple watch numerals face. That's it. Yeah. So what is H1 chip for cameras? Oh, we
1: haven't played the song. Oh yeah. Uh, let me cue it up here. Uh, Uh, Roll 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 roll, push back. dance tech corner. There it
2: is. Mm. Now we're in it. We've entered the corner. <laughs> right. Uh this it this belongs in a category of things I want to exist and there is virtually zero percent chance of it existing. Great. But this is very it's very simple. Uh it's so Apple has uh the H1 chip. Previously the W1 chip, I think, was the uh, previous generation, and this was this is a uh, something that kind of sits and to- sits on top of, or, or works in concert with Bluetooth to. Uh, it's for air headphones, you know, AirPods and such to basically have, cr- create a connection with the iPhone and just be better than Bluetooth. Kind of build upon that and have uh, communication back and forth to where you can kind of do nice things, and it just feels like a nicer experience than regular bluetooth um so what i so for the longest time i've kind of always thought man i want apple to just make like a camera like a Mm -hmm. regular camera and it's been that you know it's been quite a while to where that seemed like something they would ever do you know they they're never going to do that and so one thing that i thought might be really nice though is if they made something like the h1 that is designed to go into other cameras. So like Canon could use it or Nikon could use it or Sony could use it. And it creates a direct connection with your iPhone and that would allow a number of things. So it would mean your, uh, photos would always have like a geotag and the correct time, uh, in the metadata of them. And then just like the transmission of photos to your phone kind of wirelessly and silently, uh, would be really nice. Um, and I just, there's no reason Apple would ever do that. I think like there's no business, like there's no business, zero, like, there's no business case to do that. It's just one of those things where it's like, there's shooting, shooting with the iPhone is obviously nice. Having a nice, you know, big, Full frame camera or whatever, mirrorless camera for a small overall audience, but some people really like that, myself included. But there's always this like friction and annoyance of like the iPhone kind of always beats the big camera for certain convenience things. Like the photos are just on your phone, so they're really easy to share and they like always have the right metadata and kind of all these these uh wins you get just by virtue of the camera being connected to this supercomputer essentially and so uh, an internet connected supercomputer and so it would be nice to have like your big camera be able to kind of piggyback on that um and i think a chip similar to what they're using in ipods like that type of thing would be the way to do it but it's just like a fantasy because well. there doesn't really make sense
1: I bet it's closer than you think. So you know, it's so it's such an Apple thing, like a W1 chip. It's like it's like the only company in the world that like markets like daughterboard chips on their like chipsets. It's like so funny. It's like you know, every phone, every device has like tons of little custom chips that do special jobs, like exactly like the quote W1. They just Apple just markets it because they're like good at their jobs, um, and like with a simple name. Uh, So, like, if you're an electronics nerd, there's, like, tons of chips that people know by name. They're like, oh, it's just that chip that's, like, a commodity thing that does, you know, the Bluetooth or Wi-Fi connection or whatever. But but I bet, I would, I don't know, but my guess would be that, you know, the next generation or two of Bluetooth or whatever uh, that comes out will probably support the things you're exactly talking about. Like, higher data bandwidth, you know, always on connection like always automatically connecting and so if that's the case and they'll you know apple will support like you know modern bluetooth or whatever it's called um you know i wouldn't be surprised if that's just something that had to happen in like three years like it, it wouldn't be surprised at all. It's just like an industry standard. Um,
2: yeah, maybe. I, I I feel though it's more of like a user experience problem than a technology problem. Like you can a lot of the things I said, like you can do today with a lot of cameras. Like they have like Wi-Fi connections, or you can like do these. It's yeah. certainly possible to tether, but it's just so cumbersome and so not automatic. That that's kind of what I was getting at is just like your phone and camera are like always connected and you never have to think about it. It's just like invisibly happening at all times.
1: Well, yeah, but I think but I think like with in the case of Bluetooth, like say Bluetooth audio headphones, right? And the iPhone, that's a case where it's, you know, uh, uh, th- or Qi, right? Qi charging where it's like a third party standard, but Apple has just adopted it on the OS level to where it works with the OS really well, but they're using like a universal standard. And (laughs) if, you know, and and absolutely Bluetooth, there'll be some like low power, high bandwidth wireless technology that's like can connect to devices um, and stay connected to them. Like that will exist. uh, Absolutely. Um, And so I don't, it's not a stretch to me for Apple to just adopt that really useful uh, third party, like universal standard and uh like i don't know it does not seem weird at all for me that they would do that um like cause they've done it in the past it's just not mm-hmm. on the same level especially like if you think about like an ipad like imagine um you know some sort of like i could see some standard where people want to have um external storage or something um on their ipad that's like portable and so you know apple adopting that i mean i know it's, there's iCloud and so that kind of changes things but i could just see there being a reality where there's some sort of like wireless always connected uh, high bandwidth you know connection that exists for many reasons and like the ipad and iphone would would want to adopt that just like they do chi and like you know bluetooth audio and stuff so i don't know i i don't think i i agree that they won't do like a branded like hey, this is our special thing, and we're working with Nike, 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 Nikon and Canon and stuff, but mm-hmm. I bet they might just kind of, you know, you might get a back door to it, maybe.
2: Yeah. We'll see. Cross your fingers.
1: Yeah. It's funny, I will say, like, I was, you know, I've been, like, vacillating. Um, I don't know if Dan and I are exactly, like, uh, indicative of, like, a larger t- trend, but we've definitely been following the, like, you know for, you know, iPhone adoption. And then we both got like mirrorless micro four thirds cameras. And then I think we both kind of fell out of using them and then got bigger DSLR cameras again. (laughs) And, um, like I'm walking around, like now our family, we carry a full frame, large, like 6d Canon 6d, um, with a pretty big lens. And then we both have like iPhones. Um, and that it's like a, it's, to me, it's getting more and more, uh, where this in-between device, like a small micro four thirds doesn't make sense for a camera. It's either like iPhone, like Dan said, that's good for video and like almost everything. But then if I want to take pictures of kids that are like moving quickly and I want like shallow depth of field and like really fast focusing, you cannot beat, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a DSLR. So it's funny. It's like weird that, um or like you know oscillating like back and forth uh <laughs> in these technologies but i don't know i would not be surprised if if uh like big huge glass DSLRs are like come, like become back more uh, than they are now even just because it um it's just something you're not going to get anytime soon with the iPhone probably like having a physical shutter button uh and the camera's always on and always in photo mode like for kids makes like I don't know a huge difference, wouldn't you say, Dan? I mean, is that why you take your your camera around your big camera?
2: Yeah, uh, I don't agree that they're going to come back though, uh, or things are trending in that direction. Uh, it, it is true that uh, yeah, in some ways, the iPhone will like never match that, but just the amount of people that care is getting smaller and smaller, and especially when you're like only looking at the photos on your phone, basically. Uh, it's, like, becoming harder and harder to even, like, tell them apart. Um, and also, yeah, that's the one thing I've always – I've wondered about is, like, I wish – I mean, the, the kind of computational stuff that they're doing for photography is amazing, but it's a it's a bummer that it feels like kind of as a result – because they're doing so much computation now it's like it's stayed like kind of lockstep with how much faster the chips have gotten to where the camera for the past few years hasn't really felt faster in terms of, like, getting a quick shot with the shutter and stuff. Mm-hmm. And even things like portrait mode, like, I kind of actively avoid now because it feels so slow compared yeah. to just regular photo mode. And so mm-hmm. I wish, it's like, I don't want them to slow down with the computational photography stuff, but I wish they, like, took a beat and really, like, optimized, like, how fast it felt to take a picture. Um, so it's like, a it, it's a tricky it's a tricky balance that I think they're going to be dealing with for, you know the foreseeable future
1: well like so what happens though if like people get used to taking these you know uh simulated shallow depth of field like portrait photos right uh and they start to really like the look but they're like you know what i want this but i want it to be actually really good i i, I could see there being some pendulum swing back to like these you know large uh aperture you know glass lens cameras because that's like you know, you just can't beat that, at least yet. Um,
0: yeah, but, like, and, for me, uh, the it's, the portrait mode is getting better, and I think it's mostly good enough if you, like, turn it down a bit. I don't then, need it to be that much better than I'm willing to carry a camera around.
2: Yeah. But wouldn't the, you the, say the that... Vast, the vast majority of people are not, like, pixel peepers. Uh, like, they just don't see a difference.
1: Yeah, but that's been that way for ten years. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not talking about you know we're getting back to like the '80s when everyone had a big digital SLR film Mm -hmm. camera that they're like Mm -hmm. you know taking their family vacations. I'm just talking about you know uh, four years from now versus now. I would not be surprised if there's like actually more digital SLRs because people are getting trained to care a lot about photos and they're getting trained to see both like the final
0: yeah right. Th- yeah. That these things can yeah, but become this is a, no, more, no, this is a different. No, but like, I mean, that these things can become more popular as people are looking for something slightly different.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's that too, but no, it's I think there's
2: definitely a truth to uh, like it's. I think it was true for me. Like, I, the I think the iPhone, and I guess starting with the iPhone four like basically made me realize I liked photography which is something I didn't know about myself really previously. I mean I kind of was like semi interested in in college and stuff like I took a photography class but taking having the convenience of being able to take uh pictures easily made me realize oh like maybe i should get like a nicer camera and then that stuck and it's like oh i'm gonna get an even nicer camera um so i think there is some truth to like i think it's (laughs) you know you mentioned marco earlier like i think it's true also like the apple watch (laughs) made some people realize they liked watches and actually went the kind of you know Mm -hmm. mechanical watch direction like i think uh to your point tom i think like the watch industry is like doing quite well uh, now, like in, in uh, things are probably trending up a little, like w- since the introduction of the Apple Watch, like it didn't kill the watch market, It like kind of m- introduced more people to the idea of like, hey, you might want to wear a watch. They're cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that is th- I, th- I suppose I'm open to that being a possibility, but I just still think just the amount of people that are discerning enough to, a- and willing to carry such a large thing for a difference that is hard to detect for the majority of people i think we're gonna find i don't think like dslr style cameras big cameras are gonna be killed in any way i i think we're gonna find a, a floor probably pretty soon and it's just gonna like level out and, and stay there for a while but i don't i don't really expect it to trend back upwards
1: yeah i don't know
2: i don't know i mean you. it
1: uh i mean obviously if things improve with the iphone and they will right uh you know the advantages will be co- become less and less for these big be- big DSLRs mm-hmm. but like it's kind of a breath once your standard gets higher and higher for what you expect from your photos and like i i think if if you can just hand someone this like 400 dollars camera and lens like together that like will blow their iphone out of the water in terms of uh what it feels like to shoot like a, like a portrait of someone or like their kids. Like the experience is night and day. And so uh like I don't know, it if it's like a pretty good sell where it's like, hey, you, you want you have learned to value these these kind of like photos that are like very like you can do now uh, with the iPhone. Um hey, here's a way to do it that's like way better feeling. Um I Yeah know. but Tom, didn't you know we shall see. that
0: the best camera is the one you have with me you <laughs> didn't, didn't you know true. that
1: True, but but if you but if you have two cameras, and one of them's way better, uh you know, it's pretty good. I know it's all about kids. Personally, right. it's like if I didn't have kids running around, yeah, I could take time to like do like iPhone portrait photo, and that's like fine. But being able to just like rattle off six frames in a second of like my kids, I like catch photos I would never get with my iPhone, and they're Way nicer, right? And so the you know it's a huge difference.
2: And one interesting thing I've noticed about my usage is my full frame camera is basically a dedicated still camera, and my yeah. iPhone is basically a dedicated video camera. Uh, yeah, because I think my iPhone actually takes "quote unquote" better video than my uh, mirrorless, and that. Sure. it's not technically better but it's much easier to shoot like the the deep depth of field is actually advantageous uh because it's just much easier to shoot a scene of a kid running around and it like be in focus whereas On my mirrorless camera, it's much more, you know, kind of cinematic looking, which is nice and it like looks better, but it's much more difficult to shoot. You need a much more controlled environment to actually be in focus and like have it work that way. And so plus the iPhone with the like the 60 frames a second and the like HDR stuff it does uh, is really nice. And so to me, like an iPhone is a much better like home video uh, Mm -hmm. uh, camera. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Thoroughly considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more about this episode by going to relay.fm/tc/55.